As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. You're listening to The Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Myrtle. Testing, one, two, three. Welcome back to The Leaf Report. It's only been two years. All right, that's the intro. Keep going with this. Go ahead. So James is right. It has been two years since we did a podcast. Jonas was on the road, and then I got deathly ill, and then we started getting lots of complaints on Twitter. At least I had a good excuse this time. People were complaining on Twitter, where's the podcast? Where's... You were really sick. Yeah, I was really sick. Yeah. You didn't even come to the games. Like, you were no, I missed barely two games. alive. Yeah, I was lying in bed. Maybe you caught with like, Ron Hainsey and Roman Polak. No, I was not on the toilet or nothing. <laughs> One of they were throwing up, right? I like that you included Did, that. I actually laughed when you tweeted that Mike Babcock said that they've been throwing up. They can't stop throwing up or that's something. That's what he said, though, wasn't it? I know, but it's so funny. It's like when Randy Carlisle, I think, mentioned that John Gibson had, like, diarrhea or something. And that's what he called it? Yeah, like, he didn't, like... He's say, got the scoots. Yeah. So, anyway, know. the podcast uh, brought to you by Babsox. Um, what do you want to start with? Should we start with what you've written about? The yeah, last I think days? so. I think that that we should talk about that for like 10, 15 minutes. The the trade deadline stuff is just crazy. So I put out a piece yesterday morning um, why the Leafs should be sellers at the trade deadline, and the idea was that because you and I have been debating it, and I think it's an interesting thought experiment. Um, I was going to write two pieces back to back, and I just put I just put out the other one um, why the Leafs should be buyers. And I think it's interesting to go through the scenarios on the arguments for selling and the arguments for buying. When you and I have been debating it in the press box, you've been saying you think that they should buy. And I've been saying I think that they should sell. And I think that there are good cases for both arguments. And I think the reality is that it's a really complicated decision for where the Leafs are at right now. They're kind of in the middle. They're They're not Tampa. They're not Washington. They're not... There's all these teams... They're not New York. Like, I think the Rangers coming out and saying we're selling and we're pulling it apart and whatever, that, that's that's a, a really smart decision mm-hmm. based on what they've got. Um, 
the Leafs aren't either one of those teams. They're this emerging young team that is close. But I don't think they're quite there where they could win the Cup this year. Like, like maybe, but I think the chances are really small. See, I lean to buy just because if you're in the conversation, I feel like you need to take a chance, especially when you have a top 20 player making entry-level money and you've got... And that's like the really traditional view of... Right. If you... Everyone always says if you can get into the playoffs, no, you have know. a chance. I'm not into that. I don't. I don't. I think that's. You think they're better? That though. was like the, that was like the Dave Nonis philosophy, where right. you know Let's if we can get in, in who and, knows? Yeah. And maybe we trip and we fall, and we're Ottawa in the conference final. I think like if you're a team that's like legitimately, at least can conceivably win a cup with a mover two or three. Um, I feel like you have to try. So, but but but, and this is why we're going to get into it. It's really not that simple. Like, it's not no, it's, saying you should buy is one thing. Then looking around and seeing what you can buy is another. Well, it's the same as saying you can sell. I think that they should sell because okay, so let's start with they've got all of these guys that are either UFA or that they want to trade. They have seven forwards in a position okay, where... Okay, so stop there, though. Okay, so what are, of those players, who actually has value that makes it worthwhile to trade? One guy, JVR. But why isn't it, like... Because what do you what do you tell me? So let's say you decide you're going to trade Leo Komarov. What are you getting for Leo Komarov? Third round pick. Really? I don't know. <laughs> really? Like maybe you're As getting a, a third. Maybe you're getting a fourth. Maybe you're getting a fifth. Is that worth doing? Does it make you worse? But, I like. But I, what is that? Like okay, but so if you're doing it, you're doing all of it, right? So you're trading Bozak, Van Riems. Like, like what's the point of just trading? Well, both? I think that they should trade as a seller. They should get rid of three pieces or four. Like I think they should move. Okay, so let's so that's saying JVR, Bozak, Komarov, and who else? Well, like Matt Martin, I think they got to move. Good, good luck. One of the goalies, I think they should trade. But but again, like, what are you getting for any of those guys? Well, like, what does it matter? Point? I mean, if it's not making your, it's not going to make them significantly worse in terms. But of it their, is going to make them worse. It t- it takes them out of the conversation from being a team that can conceivably. Trading Komarov win. makes it no takes you out of the conversation. Trading all four guys does. I don't think so. I don't think it makes them. I don't. It's going to. Who are you plugging in for all those? Like, how much worse is it going to drop their chances of making the final or winning the cup? Like point one or point two percent. If you drop all those guys, I think it hurts. Who do who are you replacing them with? So Andreas Johnson's one guy. Okay, where are the rest? Well, what you do is they barely have enough centers now. Moving Bozak is certainly complicated. Like, I wonder. So I'm just saying, like, is the value of what you're getting back worth it for making your team worse where you're not even in the conversation? Like, we can just drop No, it. no. Well, that's that was the point that I made, is that, that if you're going to sell, you can't sell to the extent where it hurts your team. To the Like, yeah. you still need to have a—you don't want to completely take away all of your chances. That makes no sense at all. The one that, that is really interesting and I've been thinking about a lot since you wrote that big story about Van Riemsdyk— in a world like I can make, I can make sense of that. Like I can make sense if a team comes to you and says, "We'll give you a first round pick for Van Riemsdyk." I'm gonna have to look at that because I'm looking at what he does at even strength. He's playing like He's, 13 and a half minutes a, a game. The line he plays on is is good possession wise, but doesn't really generate a whole lot. Hasn't been giving up a bunch either, which he pointed out to me the other day. Um, then you then you then you look at their power play and you say, okay, you take Van Riemsdyk off their power play. That that hurts their power play. But then I think, okay, I'll just use the Matthews power play more. And suddenly that will be my second unit. And that's still a pretty good second unit. 
I'll, I'll figure out who I'm going to put in that spot. So maybe like, yeah, maybe losing him and plugging I don't know who in into that spot doesn't make you that much worse. Right. So that makes sense to me. Um, I I, I think we got to pr- provide context for the idea of trading JVR because every time I talk about it or tweet about it or whatever, the response from readers is always. Well, you know, maybe they can keep them and whatever, whatever. The Leafs have not made any kind of a contract offer. They don't seem interested at all in, in keeping him. The asking price at minimum is six years at $6 million a year. Like well, he, so let's He's say, not coming back. Okay, like, Lou and, and uh, JVR's agent calls you tomorrow and says, we'll do six by six right now. You do it? I think they would have done it all season. No, but would you do it? I'm not sure. Like I, I don't. I, I'm not sure I'd do it. Yeah. So, like, that's that's the hard thing with him. It makes their cap situation... I think that they need to decide between JVR and Gardner. Because they, in 2019... Like they, because if they up. keep both of them, their cap situation is, gets really, really tight. If I'm picking between the two, I'm... Well, I'm, it's hard because I'd Gardner has toward, struggled a lot of the year. Yeah, I'd lean towards Gardner, but then, like... The ease of re- replacing a left-shot defenseman who's approaching 30, I don't know, isn't that easier? And aren't a lot of the big fish left-shot defensemen? It's 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 like... Although Doughty's are right. It's like we're talking about with a lot of the other decisions the Leafs have to make. It's, it's not simple. None of this is going to be simple for the Leafs to try and... What they need to try and do is remain a contender for the next five or six years, I would say. Yeah. At least. And if they don't do that, they've failed. But in order for them to do that, they're going to have to make a lot of tough but smart decisions. <laughs> Who are you looking up? I'm just looking up, like, potential replacements. replacements. For... So, like, Gardner becomes interesting when you have to consider signing him with all those other defensemen who you might be able to get. Like, a name you brought up in your, should we transition to why they should buy Sure. So, I think that the two conversations are completely intertwined, so I think that we can just keep going back and forth here. Okay, so the case for buying is buying makes you better, which means you have a better chance of beating Tampa and Boston and getting to the cup final and maybe even winning, right? The big problem is what do you buy? It's the like, rental market sucks. It sucks. It's like, go through really bad. It's really bad. There are seven teams that are out of the playoffs right now, and the rental players they have are not good. The only one I find kind of interesting is Thomas Bukanich with Montreal because I think that he could come in, he could be your fourth-line center, bump Dom Moore out, be enough of an upgrade. If your fourth line is Komarov, Bukanich, Kapanen, you can use those guys against good players. You can play them in the defensive zone. You can play them in tough situations. And it might be an addition kind of like Brian Boyle last year makes your fourth line. You know, I think the fourth line last year with Boyle on it was a 52 or 53% possession team. They did well in in relatively sheltered minutes. So, and that could potentially take a lot of the pressure off the Bozak line to have to play against good players. Because I think if they go into the playoffs right now, other teams can target their the Leafs' third and fourth line with good players. And especially if the Leafs are on the road, I think that what you would see is that coaches, and that's what Barry Trotz did last year with Washington, is you get some of your really dynamic offensive players out against Bozak and out against Dom Moore, and it gets them into trouble. Well, and what did we see earlier this year? Teams started doing exactly that, and Mike Babcock like freaked out and said, like, I, I have to change this. I have to move Patrick Marlowe to center. 
And the reason we're talking about a center and not a defenseman, I know that all of the, the readers or listeners in this case would want is them to get us get a defenseman. Mike Babcock has not been very difficult to read on this. He wants a center. He does not think they're deep enough at center. He talks about other teams and their depth at center. Mm-hmm. He is clearly not a Dominic Moore fan. Yeah. The whole GOAT experiment, when GOAT clearly couldn't play, was because he is not a Dominic Moore fan. The whole alternate thing in training camp is because he's not a Dominic Moore fan. I think Dominic Moore is okay, but he's 37. He's not what he was you know, even two or three years ago. Um, he plays hard, but he's, he's a fringe NHL guy at 37 years old. And I can see... With Bozak struggling in defensive minutes at 5-on-5, five five, they really could use someone on the fourth line that that is good in those situations. Well, because suddenly it's two of your four centers that can be exposed. And, like, what was happening earlier in the year is, like, Babcock noticed that teams, and I remember it happening against Montreal, teams were, and, and San Jose, teams were doing whatever they could to get their top lines out against Bozak, and they were getting exposed. And, like, eventually he's just like, this is not, I can't do this anymore. Like, Marlowe has to play center, Bozak here on the fourth line. And it eventually, like, kind of smoothened out a bit. But, like, you could see, like, let's say they play Boston in a first-round series. When the games oh. are in Boston, they're going to do Tampa. everything. That, Imagine what Tampa, Tampa would do to them if Tampa has home ice. And so he, that's what he's thinking. Like, he's thinking, like, they're going to get destroyed. So Babcock's talked a lot about, if we, if we were still doing the Babcock, Babsocks quote of the week or whatever the hell it's called, if we were still doing audio from Babcock, and it's I use this in my piece about why the Leafs should be buyers, Babcock has been very, very vocal in saying that they need to add, and he's been talking to management about what they need to add. I mean, Babcock isn't just a head coach for the Leafs. He's essentially like a head coach slash assistant GM or director of hockey operations or whatever. He has mm-hmm. say in what they do in terms of personnel moves more than I would say probably any coach in the NHL. That's do you think that's fair? I mean, he's got the eight-year contract and all of those things. I would say. It seems like he has an impact in things like the Zaitsev contract and bringing in Patrick Marlowe, and I'm sure there are other things we can come up with. What he is telling management is that I need help at center. That that's I have no doubt in my mind that that's what he's saying to them. Well, and, like, you, you start to think about their defense, and, like, I know we've talked a lot about their defense for a while. I'm guessing he probably thinks they're okay. Like, really? Their, their top four is basically center. I wonder if he's... I wonder if what Mike Babcock wants is another a well, third line center and like a depth defenseman who can play over Polak and yeah, care and okay, Carrick. that's fair. But I'm thinking like he's a third prob- pair right D. I that just think he trusts. Th- I just think we've thought a lot about it in top four context, and I'm guessing he where are they going to get a top four D? That's the problem. Like and so like that's why when we talk about like it's nice to buy, there aren't top four D who make sense. Like Mike Green is like a fringe top four D, and they don't need Mike Green. All star. Yeah. So the, the, well, the thing- guy you brought up that was interesting and like this would be interesting actually a couple guys first is Ekman Larson is interesting like if you decided like you want him for a year and a half it would cause some shuffling on the defense because he, he's a left shot but you can make that work and like that would be a big go home or what is it like go, go big. big or go home that's a that's a go big move well that's that's kind of what I wrote in my piece yeah. half, like don't use half measures so either buy big, or sell like so pick, that's a go big move pick what side of the fence you're on I think and like so suddenly like you look at you bring in Oliver Ekman Larson and suddenly the left side of your D is Ekman Larson Riley and Gardner and so suddenly like now you're looking at their D and you're like oh, that's that's an interesting defense I don't know what they do with the pairs in that situation like I was just playing around and I was like 
Ekman Larson and Zaitsev, Riley Dermott, Gardner and Hainsey. I don't know what you do. Well, the problem is, is if so in that situation, we're talking about opposing coach. Like, I wonder if, if in the playoffs, when you're in a matchup series or a six or seven game series with the Leafs, I wonder if you just start playing the right side of the ice all over and over and over again. Like, I, like the Leafs are clearly weaker on defense on the right side. That's what I would do. I mean, maybe you just start dumping into that corner every time. Yeah. Yeah, that's they're having a hard time moving the puck out of that side. Like, like Hainsey, his I don't know if it was the illness or what it is. Zaitsev, I mean, obviously, he's talked about how significant an impact the broken foot was on him. And then you got Carrick or Polak as your other. I mean, they're just they're so much weaker on the right side than the left. Yeah, but how do you improve that? Like, so McDonough is another name that you mentioned. He's a lefty. He's a lefty. Yeah, so, like, and so is Ekman Larson, and so is... McDonough's interesting, like, the, too. Two right D that are out there, not out there, but, like, that are going to be free agents are Carlson and Doughty. But I think they're just going to cost way too much money to, to acquire. Well, and that's not a question for now, unless, like, you make some big... Well, both those guys only have one year left on their deal after this one, too, yeah, right? Yeah, but LA's not trading Doughty right now. Carlson, like... Like, if you, if, if you were them, would you construct, like, this crazy offer for Carlson the Leafs yeah the problem yeah. for me with especially for Carlson is that I think he's a bit diminished with that injury that he had sure and he's going to be looking for he's what 28 I think no but I'm saying right now like you construct the tra- I'm not saying you sign him. yeah but Ottawa's to gonna Ottawa's gonna try and get a return yeah. that is in line with Carlson being there for a long time like sure. they're not trading him as a rental player sure so you so you probably have to give up the moon to get Carlson right now. Yeah. They would want so much for him. If you were them, what would it take to start it? The Ottawa? Like how many like two firsts, two prospects, good young player. I mean they're gonna want they're gonna want really good yeah. they're probably gonna want Nylander or Marner. As in the, and like that's where the yeah. talks start. And it's like, if Carlson isn't Carlson anymore, yeah, if he's taking a step. In, he just doesn't look like he's skating the same way he did. Well, but so this gets to the whole crux of the problem for the Leafs. And we can't figure out who the hell they can add that'll make them better. That makes yeah. it, like so, you add a depth defenseman and a fourth line center. Whatever makes right? you maybe marginally better and maybe helps maybe. you win a first round series. The other thing I said in my piece on on buying though is like, if you bring in those guys, those marginal pieces, you might just push down players that are better than them. Yeah. You might just, you might just push, uh, Kapanen out of the lineup, or you might put Dermot in the press box, or and then like, how does yeah, that make so, you better? Well, so if you trade for McDonough, Dermot's either playing the right side or he's not playing. I don't mean McDonough. Like McDonough is a significant upgrade. I mean like a rental guy. If they're bringing in an Ian Cole or a Good Branson or one of these guys, oh, that's stupid. That that. But I think that that's what they're looking at doing. I don't believe. If that. we have to guess at what they're going to do at the trade deadline, what do you think? I think they're going to bring in some kind of a center, and they're going to bring in some kind of a defenseman. I don't think that they're. I don't. I can't see Brendan Shanahan allowing them to do that. I don't know what the name Branson or any of those. It guys. sounds like Lou likes. Them. Yeah, but it ain't just Lou. Right. That's the thing. And and Shanahan, like, I just don't believe that that's the type of guy. I don't know. Roman I picture, I picture playing, Shanahan so. going to Lou and saying, who do you want? And going to Hunter, who do you want? And going to the analytics team and Dubas and saying, who yeah. do you want? And what do you think of this guy? And, like, it's almost like they've got all these different voices. And if the analytics team is saying, like, good God, do not do this. But I like, but then again, they've done some moves where, like, the Zeitz have seven-year contract. I'm sure the analytics team was like, "No way!" No, please. I think there was like all so there are things. In the there are things. There are things that happen that where 
you know, Lou or Babcock's influence appears to be what makes the decision happen. So if you could trade for McDonough, and let's say, what do you think costs first round pick? Yeah, I'm probably more than that. Do that? And a, and a pick, and a prospect probably too. I'm not sure I'd do that. I would have to look closer at what his results are like and if he's still an elite. I mean, he was a number one D. Yeah. He was. Like, he's a great skater. Yeah. It, it completely changes the way your defense looks. Right. Well, you suddenly, could, like, you're, you you're, could you're, use Riley and Gardner in more offensive roles where they can be more opportunistic. You'd have to look at that. one of those guys probably has to play the right side. At least sometimes. Riley, maybe? Mm, no, he doesn't want to do that. He's made clear that he likes having the most skilled guy play his natural side. So maybe he played Dermot on his right. I don't know if McDonough can play the right side or not. Probably not. That's it's tough. Yeah, I mean, the Leafs are in... But the, but the one thing I was saying to you is, like, as much as it looks like right now that they're not better than, let's say, Boston. Boston's in, like, an insane streak. Are they this good? Probably not. Well, the thing is, is if... I, I think what you're going to say is that they're still, like, in the ballpark. Like, even if... Boston, if they played Boston, to, like, let's say the series well, started tomorrow, how would you pick it? you probably pick Boston in six. Yeah, I think but so. It, like, you, you but, see it going Toronto's way. But it's, like, a 55% chance they're going to win the series, right? Exactly, it's yeah. right. But the thing is, is it? But then they got to play Tampa in the next round, and well, that's so, another forty-five percent chance of winning. And then you do it, a, you know, like it. But do do you think their defense is as sometimes as bad as we think it is? Like, look at Tampa's defense. Is Tampa's defense superb? Well, the Leafs don't have Edmund. Well, that's that's the big matzo ball. And, Ed, and Edmund's playing twenty-seven minutes a night. Yeah, I mean, I like that's, that's the thing. like if you got a guy that's out there half the game, yeah, it but changes. They the, have Coburn and they have Girardi and like. I don't know. Like, I'm just saying, like, maybe it's, maybe... Yeah, you look at that Girardi contract. He got three million bucks. It's funny how, like, teams you think are smart sometimes do weird things. He's he's played fine. Yeah. No, their D's doesn't super impress me. So, the, th- the thing is, like, that's that's why I, I would lean towards buying. If only to, like, increase my chances somewhat. Like, it's not inconceivable that they could win. They just haven't looked... Well, that's that's, that's the, other the big strike against them for me is they don't they're on pace for a hundred points. They don't look like a hundred point team to me. They don't look better than last year to me. The system that they're playing and the style they're playing it does not like that whole flip it out, dump it out. But what if that's the way that they think you play to win in the playoffs? Do you think that that's that's not what Pittsburgh did? Yeah, that's not what Chicago did. That's not, what, that's not the way Nashville played when they made the final last year. It's not the way Tampa played when they made the final three years ago. Like it. Is there a team I'm missing? I mean, San Jose? Not really. I don't know. I just don't understand why. That might be the way you won 10 years ago, but... But it did click in for them last March when they sort of played that way. Yeah. Except maybe it wasn't not clearly this, as not ugly as like that. Yeah. But dressing, when you dress Polak and you dress Hainsey, like those are two guys who that's what they do. They shouldn't know, do that either. Better. Well, like, do you think? Do you think my? I think one thing we've seen that's been interesting from Babcock the last few weeks, he has come around to what the type of lineup that they should be. Like, I think that the Matt, the Matt Martin thing is very significant. Like, that is like he went from playing him every night and being like, "There's no world in which I'm not playing this guy." Stop asking me questions. To you're not playing every single night, and it's not even a question. He's not. Yeah, he's been out like. For a while, and can you can you see any world in which he starts playing again? There'd have to be injuries, I think. There'd have to be injuries, and even then, it's like, look at like he's talked a lot about 
how different they look when they have Kapanen. It's like suddenly they have four lines yeah. that can come at you. Yeah. As opposed well, to the like, other team's got to be really cautious about that fourth line now. Yeah. And I think Komarov looks way better. Well, because that's... He, a, he's on Komarov his playing side. 18 and a half minutes on the right wing against the best players in the league is just right. in the so D zone all every night. And now you're putting him Do you see those stats lines? I had on Komarov about his zone exits, how just yeah. brutal they were? Like, he was the sixth percentile yeah. in the league. Like, one of the... The six percent worst players at exiting the zone with control of the puck. When have you? When do you ever see him do that? Right. He just bangs it off the. Yeah. But that changes. Like, can you believe it wasn't? It wasn't. I think it wasn't a month ago that they were playing Goat and Martin on their fourth line. Right. Like it's just. And they were. They were at like thirty-eight percent possession or whatever. Right. What is the difference between Komarov, Moore, and Kapanen versus Martin, Goat, and I guess it was Brown. We've said this many times on this podcast, but the people that say the fourth line doesn't matter and swapping guys out on the fourth line doesn't matter, it's it's complete horseshit because those guys still play 9, 10 minutes even strength every night. Teams are only playing about 52 minutes a game even strength. It's 20% of your even strength minutes. Right. And we've seen it impact Leafs teams year after year because they think they've had an enforcer on that fourth line for like 10 years. When did they sign Colton Orr? And even before that, they probably did. Yeah. Well, now you actually have a fourth line that not only can score a bit, they're going to possess the puck, and like they're going to spend time in the opposition end. Well, and the thing, too, is that different lines are going on different nights, and now you just have the potential that that line plays well, and you can give them some more minutes. Yeah, well, and I like the idea of having Kapanen um, around. Whereas if you need to change some things around, like suddenly, like what, we've see, what we saw last game when they played Nashville— is like suddenly they could double shift Matthews with Komarov and Kapanen. If Matt Martin's there, yes. you can't do that. I would do that more frequently in games. He hasn't really done. Is that the mm, only time? That's the only time I can ever. I've been thinking that like they that. should double shift Matthews because they should get bump his minutes a little bit more. Like, well, he's had some like games he, lately where he hasn't been going. Well, so but. I wanted to talk to you about that. What I noted, I wrote about it after the Boston game and after the Nashville game a bit. Um, that it wasn't just that like he had a, an off night. He got hammered. Well, he was what significance really, do you think there is to that? He was really weak with the puck. I yeah. don't know why. He was turning it over all the time. Well, the Boston game, he turned it over a lot. And then Nashville, like, they barely had it. Right. Do you think that's other teams, like, those are top teams and they're just swarming him? Or, like, what do you think it is? I don't like the Leafs system. They've got, you know, three relatively young and experienced players on that line. And exiting the zone is something they're still figuring out against good teams. It's not even exiting the zone. It's like getting the puck back well, that's when what, you don't have it. That's what Babcock said. Like, they have to learn that, like, when you go against teams like that, they're, they're not going to let you have it. And I think there's probably something to that. I can't imagine Nylander's, like, I mean, for all of his... I don't know. It's interesting. Matthews has been... He's such a weapon at yeah. even strength, but... Well, if you look at that game... If, when I checked it in the third period, if you took when he wasn't on the ice, they were fifty percent. Well, That's Matthews has been smoked by some good players this year. Was. Yeah, and, like, I, and I wonder what there is to that. I looked at some of those games, like Taves smoked him, Bergeron smoked McKinnon, him, McKinnon, I think McKinnon smoked him. That game in Colorado was just like. Yeah, the numbers didn't look as bad, but it was like if you watched it, like that line dominated. Um, Crosby had a game against him. Yeah, Crosby destroyed him. I thought it was really interesting, though, in that Nashville game that he had, and I wonder if this is like something that's about to change, 
he matched Matthews up against their top line instead of Kadri and then switched it halfway through the game when it didn't work. He also matched Gardner and Zaitsev against the Predators' top line, hmm. which I thought was interesting hmm. too. And I wonder if that was just a response to the Anaheim game where Riley and Hainsey got killed by Getzlaff. I think it's worth experimenting with using Matthews in the tough matchups, but it's not encouraging when he struggles in those situations. And I think it's good to have the option. It shouldn't just be Kadri, 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 even when they're like struggling to... The other thing too is, I mean, Kadri's got Marner on the wing too, right? So it's like... Yeah. And I think Marlowe hasn't been much of a factor the last you know what's interesting that I, we haven't talked about and i haven't written about it or whatever but it to me it seems like some of the older guys the leafs added have are having a tougher time marlo has been hasn't been much of a factor hainsey has struggled um well as i said not that old i mean more but the big ones are, are marlo and uh hainsey you know, if they're not as good as they were the first 20, 30 games of the season, that's a big problem. Well, maybe it just gets to a point where they do exactly what they did last year and they just start giving Gardner and Zaitsev the harder matchups. Yeah, but do you want Zaitsev out there against the other team's best lines? Zaitsev has had some bad games. I have yeah. not liked the way he's played since he came back. Well, it's a pretty significant injury. Yeah. And he didn't... He, he did, said he's never had anything like that he before. He practiced like once. He's, he, I think he said he's never had a lower body injury before. He's never broken a leg or a bone or a foot. Or He said it was really weird because... Well, he was skating... Wait, I think he started skating on the Friday and then was back playing on like the next Wednesday. Right. I think that's right. And he said when he went out on the ice on the Friday, he like didn't... He was like... He didn't trust the foot at all. Yeah. I don't know he why broke, they rushed it back so much. He broke it in the instep. Like he broke it on the inside. Yeah. Where you put all your pressure. It's a really weird place to break your foot. Yeah. Like a lot of hockey players break... Oh, maybe I got that wrong. But there's, like, the skate's not, like, super padded there. I know a lot of the Leafs wear those extra guards on there. Um, but, you know, normally a broken foot's four to six weeks. He was out about seven and then rushed back in. And I think it's because of where the break was. I mean, they don't talk about anything. They don't even tell us it's a broken foot. But even when, like, there's a slap shot to a guy's foot. It was lower body. But there are real questions about what the Leafs do on right D. And I'm sure people are yelling at the podcast, you know, play Carrick more and play, play Dermot more. Well, it was and... interesting that he did do that for literally, well, it was, only, it was literally one game, and it might happen Saturday uh, against Ottawa. You may be listening to this, and it's already happened. Um, but it... Looks like Dermot Carrick tomorrow? It looks like it. It's like he's he's got, like, this slow, grudging move to... He, he does these things begrudgingly like slowly like he slowly comes around to matt martin not playing to leo coma sliding down <laughs> that's, that's an understatement it took 130 it's some a, games right. for the martin thing and so maybe he starts getting to a point where he looks at, at carrick versus Dur- uh polak and just says we're better off as a lineup to have another puck mover as opposed to polak like they don't really need well i think if you had play. a third pair that was Car- dermot carrick Use them in relatively sheltered minutes. Like, like the Babcock made a sarcastic comment like, oh, yeah, they stood at the offensive blue line and they shot pucks and they looked real good or whatever. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, but that's a good thing. It's a good thing that you have a third pair that can do that as opposed yeah. to not having a third pair that can do that. You, there are a lot of teams around the NHL, maybe not a ton, but there are some teams. You look at the possession leaders on D around the NHL, there's a lot of third pair guys there, and they post really high numbers. Yeah. Why not have a third pair that can be a 56, 57, 58% possession line that makes 
it makes other teams have to respect. Uh, it's like we're talking about the fourth line. Other teams have to respect the Leafs' fourth line offensively. They should have to respect that third D pair offensively as well. Well, do you know what he's he 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 doesn't like? And when he paired Dermott and Carrick together, and they I think they really get seventy possession seventy percent possession for two games. It was at home, and he made a point of saying, mm. "Well, like, it's, it's easy it's to really, them." Then he yeah. said it was really easy for me just to like put them in the matchups that I wanted, and he and then they played in Chicago, and he's like, "Well, we're going to see how they handle it when I don't. I can't do anything." And I don't about think they it. had a very good game. Right? They didn't have a great game, right. and so suddenly it's it's like when they they're at home against Ottawa, so he can like he can put them in the offensive zone as much as he wants. I bet he's worried like what happens. When yeah, on the road. and I remember the playoffs last year when they were in Washington that he just wouldn't play Carrick. Well, like can you imagine? Let's say they they played Boston in the first round. How comfortable do you think he'd be if he had Dermot and Carrick going into Boston in Game One? He, like, we can think that that looks that gives him a better chance, but he's like, f that. Like, but it's really interesting that he trusts Polak so much more than. It's like he. It's like. Trust what you know, right? And and comfort, he knows good comfort goat. Yeah, it's like you know what Polak is. You know he's at least playing the league. He's you know he's not going to be like way out of position. Yeah, you know he's not going to like. Even though he is sometimes. Over- <laughs> yeah, and you know he's not going to be completely overwhelmed by the moment or who he's playing against. Even though he can get overwhelmed. We talked about this on another skill. podcast, but Babcock's such a weird fit for a young emerging team with a lot of skill. He's never had that before. That's not what he like in Anaheim well, and Detroit. He didn't coach teams that have skill, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not saying he can't coach some younger players mixed in, but a team that is like built on this core of young. Well, it'll be interesting to like when we're looking back at what he did with young players to see what Marner becomes, what Nealander yeah. becomes. Like if Nealander becomes this really good two way player, yeah. it, suddenly we're gonna look at him and say like, well. We saw it a little bit with Kadri, although I think Kadri was always a good two-way player. It's yeah, you're right. I we're gonna know a lot better if Babcock was a good fit, the right fit, and a good fit for this team in like two years or two and a half years or whatever. Yeah, you know if they're still having the same problems, and he still doesn't trust young players, and well, there's some young players he trusts. But the reason we're all into all of these conversations, um is because the Leafs don't look that threatening in terms of being a contending team because of these systemic issues and because of the unwillingness to trust young players. And all of those things put doubt in my mind that they can contend this year. Well, so like they had those two games against the Unders and... Yeah, who are brutal. Rangers. Rangers, and then they they beat Dallas. Have you seen the possession for the Islanders and Rangers the last like 20 games? It's like 42%. They're both the worst teams in the league with Arizona. Hmm. Like, they're not... They've been getting smoked by everybody. Well, and I guess if you're looking at the Leafs and you're looking at the way that they played against good teams... Yes. Nashville rolled them. Boston rolled them. Yes. But... Tampa but, but, Tampa but, beat but, up on but, them in January. Yeah, that was a closer game, but yeah. Um, but I would contend, like, if your best player's line gets destroyed... You don't have a chance, right? And in those two games, like Boston, uh, Nashville, that line was that's not. They weren't just bad; like yeah. they got just like. I think Bergeron would do that to Matthews in the playoff series. But I would also then argue when I'm Mike Babcock and I'm at home, I can get him away from Bergeron. Yes, and like Bruce Cassidy pointed out after the game in Boston, that Kadri's line usually does pretty well against Bergeron. I haven't looked at the numbers, but he mentioned that like that, that hmm. Kadri had been. See, this is why this is why you're on the road. 
Yeah, well, I just remembered <laughs> all these things. But so, like, that's where it would get interesting is, like, when they're in Toronto, Babcock can get Kadri against Bergeron, and he can play Matthews against Krejci or whoever. So suddenly, like, it, it, it matters, and it just becomes, like, a it's home It's not like the Bruins thing. don't have holes. I mean, I look at their blue line and, yeah, you know, like, they're not unbeatable. No, and they're just on, like, this insane run. But what's misleading about where the Leafs are at right now is that Anderson has, like, elevated them way above where they should be. Like, their record should be much worse than it is right now. Good it's transition. only this good because Anderson's been ridiculous. Okay, but I could go back at you and say, well, Vasilevsky had, like, a 939 yeah. save percentage for the first four months of the year. But the Lightning have scored way more goals than the Leafs have. That's true. Yeah, that's true. They have the And they have Hedman. Yeah, and that's a big meatball. <laughs> I think you've already said that on this Did podcast. Um, okay, so I wanted to talk about Anderson. Um, it's he's, starting. He's we're starting to get to a point where like it's not crazy to put him in the Vesna conversation. At he's all. like fifth or something. He's not going to win it, but he's right. He's not there. even in the nomination spot right he now. He didn't make my top five when I was voting oh, yeah. for that midseason thing. He's, he's like top ten. He's like fifth, sixth, I think, for me. I haven't looked at it super closely. If this closely. keeps up, then it becomes interesting. Then maybe he gets into the third spot. Can you see him winning one at some point? Uh, yeah, you know what? Any goalie can. Any goalie that's, that's, any thing, goalie right? that's in that 10, 12 best goalies in the league can win it, yeah. Because, because they just have a hot year. Right? Yeah. yeah. It changes all the time, right? Like, look at... Well, you like, look at who was who was the best goalie six years ago, and there's nobody that's still there. Like, well, Ryan Miller won a Vesna not that long ago. Right. And Ryan Miller is like a good goalie. He's not one yeah. of the, you know, he had a good career. Well, like Ben Bishop was a finalist not that long ago right. for Tampa. Is he that much better than Anderson? Is he better than Anderson? No. And I don't know. I'm still not 100% sure what Anderson is. I think it's fair to say that the Leafs made a good decision in giving Anderson the contract and making the trade for him. I think that, I mean, it's still a year and a half in. But That's what I was going to say. Like, when do we get to a point where we can say that that was a good move? Middle of next year. Yeah. But I'm already at the point where I'm going to have to eat some crow because I didn't think they should have made that move. I wanted them to get Calvin Pickard. I wanted them they, to... Yeah, they, now they have him. <laughs> but I thought I wanted them to like audition some younger goalies that were had low contracts. And well, but if this is what he is and he's above average and you're paying him $5 million a year for... It's totally fine. It's fine. If, I mean, if what's his save percentage this season? 924? I don't think it's, it's close. Well, it might be after the other game. Listen to Jonas type on his laptop as he looks up the save percentage of the goalie. 922. So if he's a 920 plus goalie, I got no problem paying him 5 million for as long as you can pay him. Well, and he seems to be able to handle this workload. Like, you always have to put an asterisk next to that because he could get hurt tomorrow. And he almost got hurt against. Who was it against? Uh, uh, Ducks. Ducks. Corey Perry. Um, but, like, the fact that he can play 60 games and play it well. Like, we see goalies who. Like, look at Camp Talbot this year. Played 50 million games, 73 games last year, and this year, team sucks. He hasn't been as good. And Anderson's just, like, steady. Well, he's faced a lot of shots, too. That's the the Leafs, I think, are th- I think they're third last in the NHL in shots against. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. Like, Lamorello, um, when I talked to him, um, I brought up uh, how much Anderson was playing, and I, and I think we got around to Brodeur and how he used to play, like, 70-some-odd games. And my point back to him was, yeah, but, like, Brodeur's facing, like, 20 shots. Right. Uh-oh. Someone's drilling. We're going to pause the podcast. There's, like, a big drill that's going to come through the... Okay, James, we're back from our self-imposed break because of drilling and a T uh, radio hit. Um, so let's wrap it up. Uh, what do you want to wrap up with? 
What's on your mind that we haven't talked about? So through all this debate and and um, the two pieces I did, like, did it change your perspective at all? I know that you were firmly on they should buy side, and I was firmly on the they should sell side. Like, does your perspective change? I'm sort of in the middle. Like, I can make it. I don't. I don't think selling everything makes sense. And I don't know how buying really makes you that much better unless like you can get really creative and find like a real upgrade. Maybe you just do nothing. Maybe you just like, or maybe you just get a fourth line center or maybe you just. Well, I think that that's probably what they're going to do. Well, so we were talking about that a little bit. What do you think they're going to do? I think they're going to add a three, four center and a defenseman, like a depth defenseman. I think that's what they'll do too. And they'll give up, what, like a second and a third round pick or maybe one of the prospects. Or maybe they'll trade Sashnikov or Levo with a pick or whatever. And I'm not sure that that's wrong. Like maybe that's the best you can do. Like maybe if if going all in isn't possible because there just isn't anything to go all in for. Yeah, well, it's better than making a mistake. Right, and selling everything doesn't really make sense. Then maybe that's just the best case. Maybe the best case, maybe it's not the wrong thing either if you bought a fourth line center, third line center added a defenseman, and even traded JVR. Mm. And then you do a bit of both. Maybe you do a bit of both. Like, I always think about football and, like, how Bill Belichick with the Patriots does some things. It's not the same in football um, or in hockey. But, like, he sometimes does, like, two sort of things at the same time. Like, during this season, they traded Jimmy Garoppolo, and you can argue whether that's a good trade or not. But they traded their backup, young backup quarterback who had some value to reap – I think it was a second-round pick. Maybe it was a first. Um, and then they still made the Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, they traded something that, that they thought that they could get away with while adding a piece for the future. And so maybe with JVR, they can trade him, get a first, upgrade at center, fill him in with, like, I don't know, whoever, Andreas Johnson, or maybe you play Brown, or I don't know what you do there. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, maybe you can do half measures Well, you probably above. move Leo back to left side, I guess. Or... or- Oh, he's already on the left side. Yeah, you move him up the lineup, I guess. Yeah. And then you can have a Levo or a Sashna cover or whatever on the so fourth So maybe that line. doesn't make you that much worse. Right. I don't know. Anyway. It's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do because it's not in, it's, there's no clear path here. And it's not easy. That is the big thing. Anyway. All right. Hopefully we, we will be back next week because we have time and hopefully neither of us get sick. So go buy Bab Socks. And if you want to subscribe to The Athletic... Send me a tweet and say, I want a discount. Okay, we got to go because there's going to be more drilling. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Leaf Report. Follow the guys on Twitter at Jonas Siegel and at Murdoch.